Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to a Friday episode of The Dugout from Sports Mall. After two months away, the Champions League and Europa League return this week and there's plenty to look back on, as well as previewing the FA Cup fifth round this weekend. Barney's alongside me once again, and I ask you, Mr. Corkill, is this the end of the road for Louis van Gaal after Manchester United lost 2-1 at Midtjylland? I think it has to be, doesn't it? That is a dreadful, dreadful result. We know they're not in very good form at the moment, and we know they're not playing very good football, but you know this will go down as one of the worst results in the club's history. This, this is a complete minnow of a team in terms of European competition. I think they only formed in 1999 when Manchester United were winning the treble, which gives you some perspective of how big a shock this is. So, Obviously, massive, massive result for Mitchell, and they deserve a lot of credit. They they deserve the victory on the night as well. United were poor again, but all the focus is understandably on United. You'd still expect them to get through the tie. They've got an away goal. All they have to do is beat Mitchell 1-0 at Old Trafford in the second leg, so you'd still expect them to go through, but that's not really the point of this one. The, the point is that they lost against a team they should have comfortably beaten in pretty much any other season in probably the club's history they they would have comfortably beaten this team so it gives a, a, a little indication of how things have, how far things have fallen under Lou Van Hal especially you know all the, all the talk pre-match was how big the Europa League had become now because it was their most likely route into the Champions League probably with the top four in the Premier League six points away now and you know not too many signs that they'd catch Man City in fourth so this was a, a big priority for them this season and they lost against a team they should have comfortably beaten. The fans have completely lost faith in Van Hal now. They have done for quite a few weeks. And, you know, they've only won eight of the last 25 games in all competitions. Failed to win 17 of the last 25 is, is not good enough for size of their uh, a club of their size, especially considering all the money he spent. So I'm surprised he's lasted this, far, this long, to be honest. And I can't see him lasting too much longer unless things dramatically improve uh, very soon. Yeah, I was going to say that. It was just the way he talked about the game uh, in the build-up saying, you know, this is huge for us, the Europa League. And he obviously picked a pretty strong team without Wayne Rooney, who got injured for six weeks or so. That's that's a big blow for them because he had played, you know, pretty well in 2016 so far. And then obviously losing uh, De Gea in the warm-up was a big blow. But then Sergio Romero came in and made some fantastic saves. The one in the second half uh, especially was a uh, it was one of the best saves I've seen all season. Definitely one of the, uh, the saves of the year. So it could have been worse for United. And considering it came after that 2-1 defeat to Sunderland as well at the weekend... Such a bad week for the club, and then you see what Van Hal says, you know, afterwards to the media. Oh, it was bad luck that we lost that game. But you know, Midtjylland—they're a team that I think lost. They lost nine-one to Napoli uh, on aggregate in the group stage. So, you know, that's one of Italy's top teams. You know, completely destroying them. And for United to to lose like that, it was just so so disappointing. And the problem is though, with you know, talk of Mourinho coming in, is are they going to bring him in before the end of the season? Do they just keep Van Hal now until the end and then uh, get rid of him in the summer? It's a bit of an odd situation because. I mean, if they lose uh, this this Monday coming against uh, Shrewsbury in the Cup, then, you know, surely that was the end of the road for him. But if they can keep going in the FA Cup, he might just be able to keep his job. Yeah, and another point of that Michelin thing, you said um, this is their first game for two months as well, more than two months, so they're completely yeah. out of practice. And before the winter break, they'd only won one of the last ten. So this, this isn't a team in good form either. This is a small team in poor form. 
and he still managed to beat Manchester United. As I say, I think it will go down as one of the worst results in their history. The FA Cup might uh, offer an olive branch for for Louis van Gaal, but I think it's a it's a bigger banana skin than it is a potential saver for them. They can only really lose against Shrewsbury if they don't if they don't win that match pretty convincingly by four or five goals, and people will see that as another pretty disappointing result. Because we'll we'll talk about the game a bit a bit in a bit more depth later when we talk about the FA Cup. But Shrewsbury are the lowest ranked team left in the competition. Only only team from League One left in it. So if Manchester United don't comfortably win that, if Shrewsbury can you know on a replay get back to Old Trafford or even win the game. Oof, and how really is in trouble then yeah definitely but I mean like you said earlier I think they, they should still be fairly confident of going through this tie you know they, they've, they've got the away goal like you said and it's only a one goal deficit so going back to Old Trafford next week they should be fairly confident but then you know they, they, when they come to that game they might be looking ahead to Sunday's match they host Arsenal in the Premier League and that's always a massive fixture um, Manchester United against Arsenal so they might have one eye on that and depending on uh, what happens against Shrewsbury you know you don't know what the confidence will be like but thing is for Midtjylland like if United had just gone there and say even just eked out a draw or just nicked a win then the Danish side wouldn't have thought they had much chance really but now they've got that win they're going to be so confident coming to Old Trafford next week and you do wonder if they, they can even beat them at home really and when you look at some of the other teams that are left in the Europa League I mean you see Dortmund looking pretty good Napoli Valencia had a massive win last night it's hard to imagine United being even one of the favourites if they did get through this tie yeah, that's, that's true. I think there's a, a, quite a few teams above them in the packing order to go all the way in Europa League, especially when you see performances like that against Michelin. It would take probably United's best performance of the season to get past a Napoli or a Dortmund or Sevilla or even a Valencia now that they seem to have found a bit of form under Gary Neville. So uh, if they do get through this tie, which we are expecting, but as you say, Michelin will have confidence now. They'll go to Old Trafford with absolutely nothing to lose. They can afford to sit back, maybe try and nick one on the break or via a set piece the complete onus will be on United and there'll be a lot of pressure on them to perform as well, not only to to win the match not only to sneak through but to score quite a few goals as well, so it's going to be a lot of pressure on United when they come back to Old Trafford and as you say even if they do get through that round, no guarantees that it will go any further in the Europa League either Yeah, And how, how big a miss do you think that Rooney will be You know, in the next he's said to be out for six weeks or so, could be longer um, him missing De Gea, possibly missing with a knee injury now as well. You know, there's two of their best players there. Surely, is the only is there any chance they can even get to that top four this season? Well, I don't, even with those two players, I think it would have been tough for them to get to the top four. But those two are obviously big losses. We don't know how long De Gea is out for, but if he's out for a while, then that really is a big loss. You mentioned Romero did play pretty well against Michelin, but De Gea, you know, he's probably the best goalkeeper in the league. He's, uh, he's saved them quite a lot of points this season. They've been in a much even worse position that without him than they are with him this season. So he's a big loss. Rooney, as you mentioned earlier, has been in really good form in 2016. I don't think there's a player in the Premier League who's been directly involved in more goals since the turn of the year than Rooney. So after it was a pretty dire first half of the season for him, but he's he's found a bit of form now. So again, he will be a big loss. Obviously the captain as well, which is another big loss. You know, looking at it as an opportunity, it might give Martial a chance to play through the middle where he has impressed at times this season. Could give uh, Memphis a, a regular run in the team. He really needs a string of games really to get into it because it hasn't worked, happened for him so far this season. If he gets a few games either on the on the left or through the middle, then you know we might start to see a bit more from him. So it could be seen as an opportunity, but certainly it's not an ideal situation for Louis Van Gaal to lose two of his biggest and best players. Absolutely not. Um, so United losing two one. Another team, English team, to lose two one in midweek was Chelsea. Uh, you watched that game against Paris Saint-Germain. Um, they played OK in that one, but PSG did look a little bit better and just uh, got the win in the end. What did you make of the game? 
Yeah, it was a good game. We expect it to be another good one. Obviously, they've met a couple of times in the last two seasons in the Champions League, and they've all been pretty good in- encounters. And this was another good one. I mentioned in the build-up to that match, I, I expect it to be a lot closer than the-, the the respective league table suggests. Obviously, PSG running away with Liga and Chelsea are still in the bottom half of the Premier League. So, you know, on paper, it should have been a comfortable PSG win, but P- uh, Chelsea they were good in that match. That was one of their best performances of the season, despite losing the game. You know, there's a completely different feel about Chelsea right now than there will be about Manchester United, despite both losing by the same scoreline away from home in Europe. So, you know, PSG they did look good at times. They're playing some pretty slick football, some party football at times, and you could tell that they were full of confidence going into that game. And Chelsea did a good job of weathering an early storm, but then looking dangerous on the break as well. Obviously, Costa had that glorious chance, hit the bar after a fantastic save from Trap. So. You know they could have got a couple, a couple of away goals, which would have put them as heavy favourites going into the uh, second leg. As it is, you know, it's probably about as even as it could be after the first leg. There, Chelsea will fancy their chances after that performance. Certainly, if um, they might have Terry back, they might have Nemanja Matic back for that game as well. So those are two big players uh, defensively that are returning, and defensively they were very strong against PSG they had to do a bit of reshuffling with Terry out Ivanovic came back into the middle he was fantastic alongside Cahill so they certainly shown that they can although Ibrahim Rech did score via a lucky deflection although you have to say Mikel should have done better in the wall there turning away yeah, never a fan of that and if he'd stayed straight on he would have blocked that shot but a bit of luck Ivanovic and Cavani two of their biggest players did get the PSG goal but Chelsea they defended well in that match they had their chance at the other end and you know, I, I wouldn't put it past them getting through this one when it didn't look likely with PSG, you know, in such such good form going into the game. Yeah, I think when the draw came out, you know, PSG obviously only qualified in second place behind Real Madrid in their group. And I think they would have been, you know, fairly happy to get Chelsea as one of the group winners in the draw. And I think they would have been quite surprised by how, you know, well Chelsea played in that. I mean, PSG did still dominate for large parts and they started really, really quickly. But... For Chelsea to only lose by one goal, I think is a big plus. And like I say, getting the away goal through, you know, Mikel, he obviously made up for, you know, that sort of half-hearted attempt to block uh, Ibrahimovic's free kick and a very rare goal for him. But I think just getting that away goal could be huge for the club. And like I say, back at Stamford Bridge and, you know, they've got now uh, three weeks until the next next leg so they can really prepare for it. And I think certainly they, they've definitely got a chance to get through. And I think more people pick PSG to win by two goals going into that game. So... Them to keep it just to one, I think, was an impressive result. And um, the way it looks at the moment, they, I mean, th- them and City probably, you know, might both be getting through the Champions League. We don't really think that Arsenal uh, are going to get past Barcelona, but Chelsea got a chance. And I mean, we haven't seen City's first leg against Kiev yet. That's next week, but uh, we certainly expect both of those to get through. But a positive result, even though uh, Hiddink did lose his unbeaten record. Yeah, certainly a positive result. And you can't really un, um, overestimate the, the size of that away goal and you said it came from an unlikely source it was Mikel's sixth goal I think in 11 years at the club so for him to get it was a, a huge shock anyone who had a, a bit of money on him to score next would be a lot richer come the next morning but it was yeah a very good result for them a, a lot better than m- many people were expecting as you say and there's a chance now for them to salvage a bit from their season because if they can get through to the next round we mentioned it last week if they can come up against a Wolfsburg or, or someone in the next round that they'd expect to, to, to beat in the next round then suddenly they find themselves you know, in the semi-finals of the Champions League and that would that would certainly be a, a huge... You don't expect them to go all the way I think there's a lot better teams in the competition than them but it would certainly be a big plus considering how poor their, their Premier League title defence has been Obviously, still got the FA Cup, which again we're going to talk about a bit later. But they've got a real chance now, and Hiddink 
as you mentioned, that was his first defeat. He's he's usually good at grinding out decent results. He won the Champions League with PSV back in the 80s and obviously got all the way to, uh, to the semi-finals with Chelsea in 2009, one boot away from making it all the way to the final as well. So he's got a decent record in the Champions League. He's unbeaten at Stamford Bridge so far since um, since returning to the club. So, you know, there's, there's positives there for Chelsea to take and they will fancy their chances going into that second leg. I think I still make PSG slight favourites, but... You know, they're certainly up for grabs. Yeah, you mentioned there that if they do get through, they could draw uh, one of the teams. I mean, I've watched the, the other two ties on Tuesday and Wednesday this week. I mean, Benfica Zenit on Tuesday was one of the worst games I've ever seen. It was so so bad, and <laughs> you know, so many yellow cards. The ref was constantly blown for free kicks. It was it was a stop start nature of the game. It was, oh, it was such a bad game. But Benfica in the end did get uh, last gasp winner through Jonas, so they're going to be slight favourites, I think, going into that second leg. But either of those who goes through. Any of the big teams would be happy to draw them. And then the other game on Wednesday between uh, Ghent and Wolfsburg, again, I mean, again, they were the first uh, Belgian team to ever reach the last 16 in the Champions League. Uh, Wolfsburg had never been there either. And, you know, there was a lot of pressure on Ghent in, at home in that first leg, and they were just terrible. The Wolfsburg cut them apart so many times. And, I mean, they went 3-0 up pretty quickly. Ghent, you know, late five back to get it back to 3-2. So they are still in the tie, but... Whoever goes through out of those four, well, whichever two teams out of Benfica, uh, Zenit, Ghent and Wolfsburg, whoever gets through, um, any of the big boys will be really hoping to draw them because they're two pretty weak ties. And I mean, if Chelsea do get through and get either of those teams, um, you'd have to say that they'd start as favourites. And then you've got a great chance to get to the semi-finals. And you know, once you're there, you're only three, you know, three decent results away from winning the whole thing. So uh, a real chance for Chelsea, even though, like you've mentioned, they are. Uh, doing really bad in the Premier League, down in 12th, you know, even still after that 5-1 win over Newcastle last weekend. But um, just one last Champions League game to touch on, that's Real Madrid. Uh, they beat Roma 2-0. Um, deserved winners in that one? Yeah, they were deserved winners. Uh, first half was pretty poor. It was a neither side really created a clear chance. It was one Marcelo volley, which, you know, wouldn't be really classed as a chance, but it was a fantastic effort. went just wide in the first half. It started to liven up a bit in the second half. Real Madrid took the lead through Ronaldo and a bit of luck to the goal, it was deflection, but still a good strike from him. He cut inside well, and then Hesse, that second goal looks like the killer goal. Late on, you know, really good finish from him. Finally went on the outside. Everyone had been cutting inside all game for Roma um, and Real Madrid, so he finally went on the outside, drilled it to the bottom corner. Really good goal, and probably the goal that killed the tie-off, because you can't see Roma going to the Bernabeu and winning, winning by two clear away goals. So it looks like a very important one, that one thing you would say from Real Madrid's point of view is Roma had their chances they gave away far too many chances to the to the home side in that game and you know Salah he was in a good position so many opportunities but just had no right foot he always cut inside onto his left and Ramos read that time after time forced him down on the outside and he was never ever able to create anything from it if that's a a Neymar or someone in a similar position or a Messi in a similar position then that's not going to be the case and the, you know the the chances that broke to them into the box which if they come up against Barcelona that front three would have snapped up that Barcelona probably would have scored three or four goals in that game so Real Madrid they need to work on how many chances they gave away but certainly a deserved win and it it they certainly have one firm foot in the in the quarterfinals now it's really hard to see Roma coming back from that one absolutely yeah so not completely impressive from Real Madrid and PSG the same you know p- possibly not playing as well as they have been in the league so Either of those teams um, particularly impressed you and uh, would you say that either of those could be, say, some of the teams we're going to see next week, like Barcelona, Juventus, Bayern Munich? 
Oh, Real Madrid always have the quality. It wasn't their best defensive performance, but going forward, they've got the quality, certainly. that Obviously, they were without Bale against Roma, so when he comes back as well, they've got the ability to beat the top teams. PSG, still a big question mark over them. That is the big test for them this season, is how far can they go in Europe? They've obviously by far the best team in France at the moment and the thing the owners really want is success in Europe still wouldn't put them on the same sort of level as Barcelona, Bayern Munich and Real Madrid really but they've got the players uh, if they can get past Chelsea at Stamford Bridge they've certainly got the players to, to hurt the team to hurt the top teams and the way they were playing they were playing some decent football as well so you know, I, wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't put it past them pulling off a bit of a shock against one of the top teams should they come up up against any of them but they would still be underdogs I, I still don't see them going all the way you know I'd put them maybe fifth best team in Europe at the moment behind maybe Real Madrid Barcelona Bayern Munich and probably Juventus in there as well so you know still a bit of a way to go for them I don't see them as potential winners yet but I see them getting through against Chelsea nice draw in the next round could get through to the semi-finals which is uncharted territory for them in the Champions League so that's all all progress of those two though Real Madrid for me are the more likely winners of the whole whole thing OK uh, moving on to the Europa League now so uh, we had two two other English we've talked about United already losing uh, in Denmark but two other teams uh, English teams in action Liverpool and Spurs um, you watched the Liverpool game last night uh, 0-0 draw uh, at Augsburg um, much to that game at all? No, not really. Um, I, I, I said after the 6-0 win against Aston Villa, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a pretty boring, low-scoring affair because Liverpool are in that sort of period of inconsistency and that's exactly what it was, really. Played a strong team, Liverpool did. I think Jurgen Klopp fancied the chances of maybe getting a two-goal away aggregate lead that would have allowed him to rest a few players at Anfield cause with that second leg next week. Comes only three days before the League Cup final, so he would have fancied probably resting a few players for that second leg. That's not going to be able to be the case because it, was, it wasn't a good performance from Liverpool, really. You might say the onus was more on Augsburg to go and get the win, but Augsburg have been a lot better away from home this season than they have at home, so they might fancy their chances a bit at Anfield. They were the match for Liverpool for large parts. There, you know, there weren't very many clear chances for either side. Augsburg came closest, hit the post late on, and had a really good chance at the end of the first half as well. So they came closest to actually grabbing the win. Nil-nil isn't the worst result for Liverpool. They're still favourites to go through, but it wasn't the best result. It wasn't the best performance, and really, it was just the occasion. the The match didn't really match the occasion because Augsburg, for them, it was arguably the biggest game in the club's history it was their first ever European knockout tie they're welcoming five time champions of Europe so to, to hold them to a nil-nil draw is a good result for them so they'll be happy with that Liverpool not so happy but still the favourites going into the I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com people today second leg yeah I guess you, you mentioned about resting players there and preparing for that League Cup final which is obviously a huge game for the club uh, given they're not really in top four contention this year um, and even struggling to make the European places but you know they, they aren't in the FA Cup uh, fifth round this weekend like a lot of the other teams so they don't play this weekend so they have got you know a week to rest um, before that second leg so I think that's possibly the only positive there but like I say I was surprised 
given when you saw the starting lineup, I was really surprised just looking back at the highlights how little chances they created really you know there's just nothing there and considering uh, Sturridge started and he obviously looked looked quite bright in that 6-0 win over Villa but for them not to create much with you know I think did Firmino and Coutinho both start as well yeah they did yeah yeah just to not create much with all, those three all in the starting lineup really really surprising I thought and you know Mignolet made a couple of good saves as well so perhaps lucky to not concede a goal there but uh, as for Spurs that was the game uh, I was on yesterday and they were they were so good. I mean, Fiorentina, they're uh, third in Serie A, so only behind Napoli and Juventus, who have both been uh, excellent this season. Spurs second uh, in England, so it should have been a good game, but Spurs, they were just completely dominant for the first half an hour, so couldn't quite get a goal, and then uh, they did win a penalty, went ahead, but and then Fiorentina, uh, second half, they um, they got a deflected goal, and that just completely lifted them, and um, in the end, they probably could have won the game, Fiorentina, but for Spurs, Pochettino, it's not the worst result, one all there, because you got the away goal, and They'll certainly be favourites at White Hart Lane next week, but um, it was disappointing the way they dropped off in the second half, and they were really lucky not to have um, Deli Ali sent off in the first half because uh, just off the pitch he like kicked um, kicked out at Tomovic when uh, the ball was going out, and it's the sort of thing that it's you know Beckham in '98 when he just you know flicked his foot um, at Simeone in, in the World Cup. It was very similar to that, just a petulant kick out, and the referee seemed to see it because he booked him, but. Um, it's come out this morning that Deli Ali's not going to get um, retrospective punishment for that, but he was really lucky there. That just showed a bit, maybe, maybe a bit of his childish nature there. He's still only 19, but you know, in the actual game he played so well, but he's just got to cut out that sort of thing. Um, but for Spurs itself, it was an okay result, and they should be favourites to go through. Um, do you think Liverpool will be favourites to go through in the return leg back at Anfield? Yeah, they'll certainly be favourites. As I said earlier, Augsburg have been better away from home. Liverpool have been better away from home as well. So it's actually, you know, Liverpool not a great home record against coming up against Augsburg team with a good away record so that's a, a, a hint of a chance for Augsburg but you know the, the the difference in size between the two teams is massive and Liverpool will go into that game you know Jurgen Klopp's already highlighted Europa League as one of the priorities left of the season he said it's their most likely route into the Champions League now so even with the League Cup final only a few days later you know I, I'm expecting a, a pretty strong team from Jurgen Klopp in that match and You'd expect them to get the win there. You'd expect them to show a bit more attacking intent. There was no real urgency in the first leg. There was no real need for them. You'd have thought they would have wanted a couple of goals maybe, but there was no real need for them to go out and get them. No need to take any unnecessary risks. Where That would be the case if it's still nil-nil in the closing stages of the second leg at Anfield. So I think we'd see more attacking intent from them in the second leg. They'll certainly go into the game as favourites and I'm backing them to to, uh, to go through as well. As far as Tottenham are concerned, I think that's a really good result for them. One all against Fiorentina, and as you mentioned, they will be favourites in the second leg as well. It's just whether they, you know, they they want to go through in the Europa League really with the the Premier League title race as it is. They might want to put all their eggs in that basket, but the performance against Fiorentina didn't really show any signs that they were they were taking the foot off the pedal, which is good to see really from the fans' point of view, challenging on all fronts. But yeah, that's a good result for them, I think, and they'll find. I think all all three English. Uh, teams, although none of them got the win in the first leg of the Europa League, I think all three of them will fancy their chance of getting through to the to the last sixteen. Yeah, we talked about Spurs. Um, the Pochettino maybe should just you know rest all his key players um, and you know really not risk any injuries uh, in that game against Fiorentina. But he made he started with a it's a near full strength line. I mean, Harry Kane uh, didn't start. He came on with about half an hour to go and didn't really do much to be honest. But he started with Ericsson. Ali, you know, uh, Alderweireld, you know, a lot of his key players all started in that game and they all came through it and I think just it, Pochettino would just be disappointed because they played so well for about 50 minutes in that game and could only get one in in front and then, 
you know, the, the goal they conceded was a bit unlucky because it took a deflection, uh, went in off the crossbar. But after that, they really did fall away. And Fiorentina missed a great chance right at the end. That, uh, Rodriguez headed wide from about uh, two yards. Don't, not quite sure how he missed it. But like you say, it's still a, even well, like you say that the, the English teams, maybe apart from Chelsea uh, in Europe this week, uh, you know, uh, they'll be favourites going into the second leg. But it's still no wins, and it's again another disappointing set of results for Premier League teams. And you know, considering when you see uh, teams from say Spain, you know, Sevilla, Valencia, handsome winners last night, Real Madrid winning uh, in the Champions League. It's still the Premier League still looks quite a bit short of uh, say La Liga, doesn't it? It does, and you know, Spain's I saw a stat of Spain's results in Europe this week, and it was fantastic. All their teams won, none of them even conceded a goal. So, and that includes a great win for Villarreal over Napoli as well in the Europa League. So. You know, it was a real good uh, week, uh, week for midweek for Spain, and it has been a few good seasons for Spain. When you compare them to the Premier League, we always think of Premier League as having a bit more strength and depth because a bottom team can quite often beat the top team. There's a lot more uh, scope for shocks in the Premier League than there is perhaps in La Liga. But I think if you're comparing right now the top six, seven teams in in the Premier League to the top six, seven teams in La Liga, then La Liga wins that battle. To be honest, and the concern for England now is still. Those um, those four champ- uh, those four Champions League places because they're they're really in um, in danger if English teams don't go through. And you mentioned PSG probably favourites against Chelsea, Barcelona certainly favour against Arsenal. You know, Man City the only ones who would go into their Champions League last sixteen as favourites. So that's something England really do need to keep an eye on. The English clubs have fallen quite a long way from where we were a few years ago. And you know, in, in terms of European success out of the top leagues now Spain is certainly somewhere ahead of England absolutely yeah um, let's look into the FA Cup now uh, fifth round this weekend um, all starts with Arsenal against Hull it's the third year in a row these two have met uh, 2014 final Arsenal won 3-2 an extra time then last year uh, they met in the third round with Arsenal going through and um, Arsenal they're trying to become the first team to win the FA Cup three straight years In I think it's like 130 years since Blackburn Rovers in like 1886 so it's a long old time um, and you certainly expect them to come through this tie, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. Them at home as well makes such a big difference. Hull are in good form, to be fair to them, in the Championship. If, they, if it was maybe the other way around at uh, the KC Stadium, then you fancy maybe Hull to pull off a shot. But, you know, this is a competition which Wenger always takes seriously. He's won it six times. No other person has won it more as a manager. So he takes it seriously. Arsenal, the most successful, successful club in the competition's history. On chasing three in a row, it was the, uh, the trophy that ended their nine-year trophy drought as well. So it was certainly a special trophy for Arsenal. You'd expect they'd take it seriously, even with the title race in the Premier League, taking priority and the match against Barcelona coming up in Europe as well. So they'll still take this one seriously and they'll still be favourites to uh, to go through. It's not going to be an easy game because, as I mentioned, Hull, they are, they do go into the match in good form, but Arsenal will be favourites and I can't really see Hull pulling off a shock, to be honest. Yeah, and I think, well, obviously the tie of the weekend, you'd have to say, is on Sunday. Um, Chelsea against Man City, two of the teams... You know, two of the biggest teams left in the competition. Both teams won it, you know, many times in recent years. And who would you say is favourite going into that? Because City, they've lost two big games recently, haven't they? You know, against uh, Leicester and Spurs, both at home in the Premier League, massive games in the title race. Lost both of those. Uh, whereas Chelsea, like we said, played pretty well against PSG. Five-one winners over Newcastle last weekend. So, which team do you say is favourite going into that? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think it, it it's going to depend on, you know, what. What, what lineup uh, Manuel Pellegrini chooses? If he chooses his first choice lineup, I'd probably say Man City. But it being at Stamford Bridge, Chelsea are going to take 
you know they're going to use that as a, one of their main priorities. Premier League's gone this season, obviously got Europe, which we've already talked about. So Chelsea will be taking that seriously. It's a really tough one to call. Man City, they'll be keen to bounce back from those two results against Leicester and Tottenham. You know, I, I fancy their chances of doing so, to be honest. I, I'd make them just about favourites, but at the same time, we've already talked about Hiddink's record, unbeaten record at Stamford Bridge so far. So I think City would probably be content to come away from that match with a draw to force a replay and making them slight favourites, but it promises to be a good game, I think, and I, I think it'll be a lot closer than the league suggests. Yeah, the only thing I'd say about City is... You know Chelsea, they've had their European game on Tuesday, um, and they now get till Sunday, and then the next match uh, against Southampton is until the following Saturday. Whereas for City, they've got that game on Sunday, then they go to Kiev uh, on Wednesday, and then they've got the League Cup final, which is obviously a huge game, the final at Wembley. And of those three ties, you'd probably say this one is third, you know, third in the priority list, and that's that's why I'm suspecting that maybe people like Aguero might be rested because. You know, for City, the Champions League is what they want to. You know, that's where they really want to progress. And uh, you'd have to say that getting, you know, they can't go to Kiev, um, slightly tired. It's obviously a long trip anyway, and they can't go there uh, a bit tired. And then, say if they went and lost two nil, two nil in Kiev, then that would be so hard coming back uh, to the Etihad for the second leg. They need to get a good result out in Ukraine. Uh, then they've got that, and then obviously the League Cup final. Like I said, so that's the only thing I'd say with City that. Pellegrini has to be and he's, he's already talked many times about he's not happy with the way the fixtures have panned out and how many games they've got uh, in succession this week but you do worry that maybe Chelsea feeling more confident at the moment I, I think they're going to start as favourites and I'd back them to go through Yeah well they certainly um, stand a good chance and the City fixture point is a good point they've got four away games in a row I think it is now two of them coming up against Liverpool which is uh, counting their Wembley appearances in the away game Two of them coming up against Liverpool, one in the League Cup final, one in the Premier League, which is not an easy tie. So it's four pretty difficult away ties. Kiev's never an easy place to go to. You'd expect them to get through the tie, but it's not easy going all the way to Ukraine out there. And as yeah, I I agree with you that FA Cup will probably be third in their priority list. But at the same time, I think Pellegrini, you know, he'll, he'll certainly want to win the FA Cup. He'll want to keep in as many competitions as possible. This is his last season at Man City. He'll want to go out with a bang and at the moment they're still in all four competitions that it could be in so to go out with you know two three trophies and to keep as many options open as possible as far into the season as possible will probably be something that Pellegrini wants to do so you know I th- I, th- I, th- I can see maybe them resting a few players Aguero is a, the type of player who's he's only really rested when he's coming back from injury if he's back fully fit which he is now he tends to start these sorts of games even with big games in midweek he's he's what he's the sort of player you know like a a Messi or a a Neymar or Suarez for Barcelona who always seem to play most important games and this certainly is an important game it doesn't matter if they've got three games in the space of a week Aguero usually starts all of them if they're all big games so I'd, I'd probably expect him to start might be a different question at the other end of the field with company who's only recently returned from injury so that'll be interesting to see because as we've been over a few times this season their record without company is, is dire compared to their record with company so it will be interesting to see which lineup he uh, which lineup Pellegrini picks and I, I think come the team news hour before kickoff uh, on Sunday I think then we'll get our answer of who the favourite is because if, if Chelsea pick a full-strength side and uh, Pellegrini doesn't, then Chelsea would be favourites for me. If both pick a full-strength side, even with it being at Stamford Bridge, I'll probably just back Man City. OK, as for uh, Man United, like, like we mentioned, they've got Shrewsbury. Um, surely, surely they're not going to lose this one. They can't really. Certainly can't afford to for for Louis van Gaal's point of view, but 
this would I mentioned the Midtjylland one being one of their worst results in their history Shrewsbury will be up there if they lose that three points clear of the relegation zone in League One only team outside of the top two tiers in English football uh, still to be in the competition so you know United will go into that as as big favourites but at the same time these recent results for United losing to Sunderland and Midtjylland they'll give Shrewsbury so much hope and with it being in Shrewsbury at Greenhouse Meadow the fans are going to be up for it it's going to be a, they're going to make a proper cup tie atmosphere and it's a huge huge potential banana skin for United they they won't fancy going down there for sure I think that Shrewsbury are going to make it difficult for them the thing United probably need more than anything in that game is an away goal is an early goal sorry just to to quieten down the crowd and maybe kill any belief that Shrewsbury will go into the game with. If Shrewsbury can make a quick start to the match and certainly keep United out for the first 20 minutes, half an hour, then I could see that being a pretty tricky fixture for United. It'd still be a huge surprise if they don't go through, but it's not a tie they're going to be relishing, I don't think, by any means. No, definitely not. And, you know, Monday night, nighttime atmosphere as well. It's, it should be a very hostile ground. It should be very difficult for them, I reckon. Um, as for some of the other teams that you know could go quite a long way in the competition, Everton, they go to Bournemouth on Saturday evening. Spurs, um, they host Crystal Palace on Sunday. Um, any of those two, do you think, could be could go out in this weekend? I think Everton are a tough one to call at the moment. Obviously, they've generally been better away from home than they have at home this season, so that's probably a positive for them being drawn at the Vitality Stadium against Bournemouth. But that's going to be an interesting tie because Bournemouth, they've been able to pick up the odd good results so far this season. If Everton really click, then you'd say they get the chances to score against Bournemouth and they've certainly got the players to take advantage of that. So that's a really tough one to call for me. I think whoever wins that one does have a decent chance of going quite a long way in the competition, which would obviously be big for either club. Bournemouth more than Everton, but Everton, they haven't won a trophy since the 95 FA Cup, so they're in desperate need of a bit of silverware. And this could be a good chance. Obviously, they got to the semi-finals in the League Cup as well this season, so another good cut run for them would be good. I think... My dark horses for the tournament, though, you'd, I'd expect Tottenham to get through against Palace just because Palace is in such poor form. But my dark horses would probably be Watford because they've performed well so far in the Premier League, and you know they've got the players certainly to get past Leeds United, who just you know the the, the form has improved a little bit recently, but just a, a bit of a mess of a club they have been for a long time now and it's hard to predict what's going to happen with them really so Watford at home to Leeds they'll fancy their chance of getting through that one and then you're in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup and the way they're performing they've already shown that they can pull off one-off results against the big team so if they were to be drawn against an Arsenal or Chelsea Man City United or Tottenham they'll fancy the chance of winning those games as well so they're probably my dark horses they've never won the FA Cup before I think they've only got to the final once during the, the glory era 1984 I think it was so for them to get all the way this is a big chance for them this season I reckon they'll really fancy their chances Yeah I agree with that I think that obviously they're sitting you know, in the top half of the table they've done so well in their first year back 36 points they only need 4 more uh, to reach that 40 point total which you know they would have just wanted to stay up at the start of the season which you know, barring an incredible collapse, they are going to do so. And like you say, they should have far too much for Leeds. They they don't really need to rest. You know, they haven't got too many fixtures coming up. There's no need to rest the likes of Dini and Agala. I mean, he might rest one of them, but I can't see him resting both uh, Flores. And I'd sort of say the same about West Ham. You know, they go to Blackburn, another championship team having, you know, a completely indifferent season. And West Ham, uh, they're, they're obviously doing so well in the league, sitting right up there, you know, uh, fifth or sixth they are at the moment. And, um, like you say, they've got the kind of players that can, you know, they've already beaten several big teams this year. And say if, if Watford and West Ham, if they both win and then 
Um, they draw the winner of the other tie we haven't talked about, Reading and West Brom. You know, you'd probably back them to beat either of those, and then you've got then you're through to a, you know semi final of Wembley and. With the players they've got, you know, uh, with Watford, Igalo, Dini, West Ham, you know, the Pies and the kind of class players they've got, I'd back either of those teams to really cause a problem, especially when you know that Chelsea and City play each other. One of those is going to go out. Um, there's a real chance, I think, for either of those to go on and win it this year. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, West Ham already knocked out Liverpool, so they've already got one uh, pretty big scalp this season. And it would be a pretty, for them, it would be a cap of fantastic final season. It would be a great way to say goodbye to Upton Park. Obviously, the final's not going to be there, but it would be a fantastic way for them to pay tribute. If they can carry on their league form, perhaps nick European football via the league and win the FA Cup, you know, they wouldn't have expected any better um, final season at their, their long-time home than that. And it would be a great way to, to bring in the new era at the Olympic Stadium as well. So they're certainly up there. I haven't got to the final since uh, the 2006 one against Liverpool with it probably the last great final we've seen it was a fantastic game that one so it's been a long time for them a decade this year so they'll fancy their chances as well I think those two certainly probably the dark horses to go all the way and as you mentioned if they get a kind draw in the quarterfinals should they get through then you know semi-finals anything can happen as we saw we've seen the last two seasons with Hull and Aston Villa both getting all the way to the final it gives gives the the smaller teams West Ham probably wouldn't come into the category of a small team but it gives those sorts of sides who don't often get the opportunity to go to Wembley a really good chance to get all the way to the final and then you know anything can happen on the day in the final yep okay nice one once uh, should be a really good weekend with all those FA Cup games and um, you can follow all the big games this weekend on sportsmall.co.uk um, we'll be back next Friday to uh, talk about the results from the FA Cup and uh, next week's Champions League and Europa League games uh, so we'll see you then Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 